Praise the Lord. So we're ready to get into the Word tonight. I tell you, you know, I love the Word of God. I love the Word. Sometimes we, we misunderstand and, and we don't recognize the importance and the value of the Word. That's why when we gather, we look at the Word. Jeremiah said, in, or the Lord actually said through Jeremiah in Jeremiah 23, verse 29, He said, Is not my Word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces? What that's saying is that whatever you're facing in life that contradicts the Word, the Word itself will take it apart. The Word itself will dismantle it. The Amplified Bible says it this way, Is not my Word like a fire that consumes all that cannot endure the test? You see, everything that comes against you that does not line up with the Word of God, when you apply the Word to it, the Word is like a fire fire and it will consume everything that cannot endure the test of the word of God. Now I'm not talking about you quoting verses as much as I am talking about you believing verses that you quote. You see, you can you can read the Bible and you can talk about the Bible and you can believe that the Bible is good, but it takes a meditation in the word to the degree that it becomes what I would refer to as the the rhema word the revelatory word, the word that gets in your spirit that says, aha, and you know that you know you believe what that says, and that comes through spending time in it, and that's the word that's like a fire. It will consume everything, everything that can't withstand the test. It says, and like a hammer that breaks in pieces the rock of most stubborn resistance. Maybe that sickness is resisting you right now. It's the word that you meditate in. It's the word that you take to heart. It's the word that you believe and stand on. It's the word of God that's going to dismantle the thing. Maybe maybe it is it's that financial thing that you're going through that seems like it will never end. It's the word that you got to stick with. God's word will do the work. It's interesting. In 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 the book of Proverbs uh, in Proverbs chapter 4, uh, the Lord says as my son through Solomon. He says, my son, attend to my words. That means pay attention to them. Pay attention to my word. Give full attention to the word. You see, we attend to a lot of things. We attend to our favorite television show. We attend to sporting events. We attend to this or that. We attend to gossip. We attend to all sorts of things. But the Lord would say to you, attend to my word. Pay attention to what I'm saying. Make that be the thing you hear. Make that be the thing that you look at. He says, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Incline. That means, literally, it has the picture of leaning over, inclining towards someone who is speaking so that you can hear them. Have you ever been at a table in a crowded room and, 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 and people are talking and it's difficult to hear the people right around you and the person next to you begins to share something and you want to hear what they have to say? You lean into and maybe even cup your hand over your ear so you can hear what they're saying. In other words, you try to drown everything else out and get hold of that that's being said. The Lord said, pay attention to my word, incline your ear to what I'm saying. Make that be the priority. And he goes on to talk about that. He says, let them, the words of God, depart, let them not depart from thine eyes. 
He said, don't, don't, let them, don't let them get away. He said, you keep the word. You, you pay attention to it. You incline your ear to it. He says, you do not let them depart from your eyes. Continually looking at them. Continually meditating in them. Continually seeing what God has said. I'm telling you, there's power. Jeremiah said, it's like a hammer. He said, it's like a rock. He says, like a hammer that breaks the rock. It's like a fire that consumes what stands in your way. But here the Lord said, get hold of them. Keep them, keep listening. Keep them in your ear. Keep them in front of your eyes. And it says, keep them in the midst of thine heart. In other words, it becomes the center of all that you are, this word, this precious, this valuable word, the word from God. He said, keep it there, keep it there. In other words, the word of God has to become the priority in all of life. That's why we're studying it. That's why we look at the Word. That's why it becomes the priority of every single day we ought to be looking at the Word of God, making it the priority of life. But that, here's, here's why he said, For they, the words of God. That's what, this is what it says in Proverbs 4, verse 22. For the words of God are life unto those that find them, and they are health to all their flesh. Why? Did you hear that? Now, before in Jeremiah, he says, my word is like a fire. My word is like a hammer. Here in Proverbs, he says, the words are life. The words are life. What does that mean? What is life? Life in both the Greek and the Hebrew languages, the word has to do with connection to God, has to, has, to be, has to do with being vitally connected to God. It has to do with being able to transcend a physical existence, connecting to a spiritual reality, and connecting to God directly. He says, my word connects you. And I'll show you more about that here in just a second. The word of God connects us to God. We are to be connected. The words are life. Do you need a healing? The words are health. I heard somebody say, well, yeah, that's talking about spiritual health. No, no. He says health to all their flesh. Talking about the physical body. Father, I believe you. Your word is health. Your word is life. You see, the word is vital. It connects us to God. It is life. Jesus said in John 6, 63, he said, the words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. You see, the word is life. The word is life. The word connects you to the power of God. The word connects you to God himself. The word is life. But what do we have to do? We have to attend to it. We have to incline our ear to it. We have to keep our eyes on it. We have to put it in the middle of our heart. The Word is life. That's why we study it. That's why we look at it. You see, 
in your existence on the planet doesn't mean you've connected to life. It might mean you're breathing. It might mean, mean that you're existing and doing what we call living, but it's, real life is connected to God, connected to His Word, connected to what He has said, connected to the power of God that can change every material thing. Because we understand that all material things came out of the Spirit. And we understand that happened because God said something. And when God said, it became. You see, the material world is connected to what God said. Everything in my life, everything about me has to do with my having received or rejected what God said. Wow, that's a powerful statement. Jesus said, the words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. My, my, my. The Bible says in in 1 Peter, it says, being born again, not of corruptible seed. This is 1 Peter 1, verse 23. It says, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. Now, that's an interesting thing. It says that the word of God is incorruptible seed. It is seed that cannot be destroyed. It's incorruptible. It never corrupts. We're born again. We are made to come to life in Christ by this Word of God. Now look at this. The Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Well, the Word of God brought me new birth. It's this Word that's incorruptible that lives and abides forever, it's living and abiding in me, it has brought me life, therefore I will live and abide forever. It says, for all flesh is as grass, and the glory of man is as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof fadeth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word by which the gospel is preached unto you. My, 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 can you get hold of that? It's the Word that is life. It is the Word that brings life. It's God's Word. That's why we must must take time with the Word, connecting to God by virtue of faith in what He has said will change everything, will produce what God wants produced. And it's more than just a casual thought of, oh yeah, well, I believe the Bible, and my question is always, what part? Well, all of it. Well, name two or three parts for me. If you don't know what it says, you don't really believe it. That's why we study to show ourselves approved workmen unto God that needs not to be ashamed, that we have everything we need to do what God has called us to do on this planet. We take the Word. It brings life to us. It is life. The Word of God is life, and it abides for ever. Isn't that awesome? See, that's why we do these Bible studies. That's why we look at the Scripture. That's why we do these things that we do. Jesus said in John, I mean, in Matthew chapter 4, he's quoting from Deuteronomy, he said, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Why would he say that? Because the word of God is life. My You see, we study the Word. We look at the Word because we found out that the Word is not like life. The Word is life. The Word is not like health to my flesh. It is health to my flesh. 
And if I'll continually take it, continually drink of it, continually eat of it, continually plant it into my heart, it brings what it is, and that is life. It produces life. It is life. It brings health. It is health. The Word of God. The Word of God is referred to as as life. God said it is life. Now here's something interesting. Jesus is referred to in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, as the Word of life. Isn't that something? The Bible is the Word of life. Wait a minute. In Philippians chapter 2.16, the Apostle Paul refers to the gospel from the scripture that he's preaching as the Word of life. Jesus is the Word of life. The scriptures are the Word of life. These both are, 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 are bringing life. They are the Word of that brings life. They are the word that is life. Jesus is the word of life. The scripture is the word of life. We, we recognize that they are the same. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 1, not 1 John, Gospel of John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. By who? Who's him? The Word. All things were made by the Word. Him, Jesus, the Word, the spoken expression of God in the earth. Everything was made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And it says, in Him, who? The Word. In Him, the Word was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus is the Word. The Scripture is the Word. They bring life. They are life. If we want to connect with what God has promised, want to connect with the power and presence of God, it comes as we connect to the Word, as we make the Word the priority, as we recognize and understand that we must attend to it, that we must incline our ears to it, that we must keep it in front of our eyes, we must keep it in the middle of our heart. The Word is so valuable. It is so important. We recognize Jesus is that Word. We recognize the Scripture is that Word. I love it. In Revelation chapter 19, it says in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge like judge and make war. His eyes, talking about the, he's talking about Jesus, isn't he? It says his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Look at this. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. Talking about this Word that brings life. This Word that gives life. You see, that's why we look at the Scripture. You see, we've talked about over the past couple of weeks the subject of, of perfection. We've talked about being like the master. We've talked about being perfect like the master. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, it comes as we take the word of God. We stand on the word of God. We obey the word of God. We make it the very priority of everything that we do. You see, when we read scriptures like Matthew chapter 5, verse 48, where Jesus says, be ye therefore perfect, even as your father in heaven is perfect, 
Man, if we don't get in the Word, we'll never understand that. Because the thought is, nobody's perfect. Nobody can be like God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, verse 40, The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. You see, the Scripture talks about our living a life so connected to God that we live a life that God considers perfect. Not flawless, perfect. We think nobody's perfect. Nobody can be perfect. And sadly, much of the time in Christian lives, Christian existence, we think, since nobody can be, there's no need to try. Because only God can be perfect. Only Jesus can be perfect. Well, if that's true, we don't really believe what Jesus is saying. Or, more realistically, we don't understand what he's saying. You see, we mustn't allow religious, traditional thinking or society's opinion to overrule what the Bible says. You see, if we can incline our ear, if if, if we can attend to the Word, if we can keep our eyes on it, keep it in the middle of our hearts, we can attain to what the Bible's talking about. Jesus said, you know, we we are to be perfect like the Master. He said, we're never going to go past Him. We're never going to get better than Him, but we can be as He is. We'll talk about that. We've already talked about it in, in several meetings ago. We read, we read a year, not too long ago from the Apostle Paul in Philippians 3, in verse 12, he said, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend for that which also I'm apprehended of Christ Jesus. He said, you know what, I haven't reached it all yet, but I'm following hard. I'm pressing toward it so that I can grab hold of what the Lord grabbed hold of me to do, that I might accomplish his purpose in the earth. He said, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended but one thing, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And then verse 15 is interesting. He says, therefore, let us as many as be perfect be thus minded. He said, there are some of us that are perfect and we think a certain way. He said, you know what? I haven't arrived at the total completion of my destination and the destiny God's called me to. But I'm pressing on toward. I'm not deciding that because I haven't reached it so far to quit because nobody's perfect. He's saying, I've decided to give it everything I have that I may arrive at the destination that God has called me to and I'm not giving up and I am choosing to be perfect so that I will, and because of that, I'm going to think a certain way. He realizes he hasn't come to the place, but he's not saying, well, nobody can be perfect, so why try? No, he's recommitting himself to the purpose of God. He tells us in the end that if we're perfect, we're going to think like he thinks. Wow, I, this is awesome to me. We, we discovered in Hebrews 6 1, several weeks ago, the Bible says, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection. You see, sadly, in the Christian world, many have this idea that once you get saved, once you get born again, that's all there is to it. We read many many quotes from Dr. Billy Graham. and One of them was, being a Christian is more than just an instantaneous conversion. It's a daily process whereby you grow to be more and more like Christ. It is moving on to perfection. You see, it's not enough just to get born again and be a Christian baby for the rest of your time on this planet. 
God intends for you, He intends for me, He intends for us to grow up in the Lord and pursue this perfection that He's called us to, and that's going to come as we take His Word, believe His Word, do His Word, not giving up on all those things. You see, we, we, we need to know something. The Bible says, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. Why? Because the Word is life to those that find it. That's what we read in Proverbs. You have to find it. You have to dig. You have to be looking. You have to be searching. The Word is life if we'll find it. If we'll choose it. The Word, if we choose the Word, we, we, will, we will do what we're supposed to do. We find it. We keep it in our hearts. It says that these words are life to those that find them in Proverbs. We find them. You see, we go on to perfection. As newborn babes, we desire the milk that we can grow. We desire this, this, this word of life, this word of connection. We desire it. We're supposed to grow up. Well, but, 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 but Brother Randy, nobody can be perfect. I mean, I, I've, I, there's no way I can be perfect. Now, we've read this passage, and we're going to get on to something pretty fun here in just a second. For the eyes of the Lord, 2 Chronicles 16, 9, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward. We've said it this way already. He's not looking for perfect theology. He didn't say that. He's not looking for perfect performance. He doesn't say the Lord, that he's going to show himself strong in behalf of those whose heart, whose performance is perfect. In fact, the Bible says of, of, of David, King David of the Old Testament, that he had a heart that was perfect with God. He had a heart that God liked. His heart was what God enjoyed. His heart. God looked on his heart. Even though his performance was flawed. Even though his theology was flawed. We understand his heart was what God looked at. God is looking for a heart that is perfect toward him. Perfection then that God is looking for is a matter of the heart. Now here's how we're going to be like this Master Jesus. The word perfection in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, both Hebrew and Greek, speaks of being whole. It speaks of being complete. In other words, God is looking for people who are wholehearted toward Him. Wholehearted for what He is, who He is, and what He wants. God is looking for people. To be wholehearted, then, is being holy like the master. That's how we be like the master. Our heart is whole toward him. We run toward him, run toward his things, not away, not shying away, not intimidated by life's uh, uh, challenges, but we run toward God, run toward the word. We make sure that we're ready to fight the fight wholehearted. Perfection then isn't flawless performance, but perfection is a heart that is wholly submitted and connected to God and connected to His purpose. 
Now, the last time we talked about that God, that he, he uses He uses correction to put us on course where we're supposed to be. Not to punish us, but to help us stay on course. All right? So we, we looked at that last time. I want you to see something here, here tonight. The goal is to be perfect like the master. You know, one time someone was saying, well, you're just trying to be like, you're just acting like Jesus. Who do you think you are? Just acting like Jesus. Well, my, my response is always, well, isn't that the goal? We're supposed to be like Jesus. Now, I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about that at all. The goal is to be like Jesus. He wasn't religious. He was the master of faith, according to Hebrews chapter 12. He was the master of faith. The master of faith. That's what the Bible says about him. The scripture talks about that we're, we're, that this Jesus that we're talking about, it, it says, it says that, that he's the author and finisher of faith. Meaning that he was, he was the, the creator and the performer of faith. He's the master of faith. The master of faith. The Bible says that without faith it's impossible to please God. And we know that God said of Jesus, this is my son in whom I am well Please, Jesus is the master of faith. When you get born again, your righteousness is perfectly complete. But we must grow up and grow in faith, grow in the word of God. I'm not talking about getting to heaven. I'm talking about doing on this planet like we're supposed to do. I'm not talking about being righteous by my works. I'm talking about learning how to walk by faith with God pleasing Him in all that I do on this planet and being like the Master. I'm not talking about, about my, my, my spirit man being reborn. I'm talking about my life here fulfilling the plan of God, doing what God has called me to do. Jesus, the Bible said, the Master of faith. The Bible says Jesus learned obedience through the things that He suffered. He was willing to do anything for God. It says that in Hebrews 5.8. He did that by defying his flesh in the Garden of Gethsemane and doing exactly what the Father wanted him to do. He chose what God said above everything else that he felt, above every circumstance, above every feeling. He chose what God said. He did it by faith because he was the master and is the master of faith. All right? The goal is to be like that. The word Christian simply means to be little Christ's. To be like Jesus. Listen, if you and I, if all of us began to act like Jesus and begin to operate like Jesus, submitted to God, submitted to the Word of God, choosing to be wholehearted, that is the devil's worst nightmare. See, the goal is to be like Jesus. The goal is the holiness like Jesus had. Not religious. Not, not a bunch of you can't do this and you can't do that, but a bunch of being wholehearted for whatever God says. If God says go, we go. If God says stay, we stay. If the word says act this way, we act that way. That's the goal. The devil, the Bible says, is the God of this world. And the God of this world, I tell you, he will tell you to do everything that is the opposite of Jesus. What's the devil like? What, what, can, you, can, you, can you think about what he's like? The devil, we know, is proud. The Bible says of him in Isaiah, says, How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. How thou art cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. 
yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. He had all this pride and all this arrogance. He said, you know what? I'm going to be the one who sits on that throne. I'm going to be the one in charge. I'm going to be that. He was proud. And in his pride, he lost everything. The Bible says in that same passage, verse 16, it says, they shall see thee narrowly that look upon thee and consider thee saying, is this the man that made the earth to tremble that did shake the kingdoms? In other words, we're gonna, one day we're going to squint our eyes so we can look at, at him with our eyes squinted and say, is that the guy? Is that pipsqueak the guy? But with his pride, with his arrogance, he sought to ascend to the throne of God. In, in Ezekiel chapter 28, in verse 17, speaking of Lucifer, it says, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before the kings that they may behold thee. You see, it was his pride. It was his pride that says, nobody's going to tell me what to do. It was his pride that said, you know what? Nobody, nobody is my boss. I am my own man. Nobody tells me what to do. That's the devil's ultimate pride and rebellion. It attempted to usurp the throne of God and attempted to overtake the word of God and make it its own. His influence, the Bible says, is pervasive upon the earth. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 2 and 3, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversion and conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires and of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. You see, it's this devil influence that all of us have been influenced by because he's the God of this world. The devil's influence calls for one thing, disobedience to the word of God, pride against what God says. You see, he wants us, he wants us to disobey. We've been influenced that, but we need to come to another influence. Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 28, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn of me. Here's what we're supposed to be like. He said, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus is the opposite of the devil. He is meek, not weak. He's meek, lowly in heart. That speaks of humility. It speaks of obedience. Taking a yoke is allowing someone else to guide you. Listen, when a voice is disrespectful and encourages disobedience, it is not the voice of perfection. The devil is always defiant. He's always prideful. He always says, nobody tells me what to do. What, who do, you, what do you think I am? Nobody tells me what to do. You see, in our society today, all these, 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 these murders and these killings and violence against authority, it's because it is this disrespect that the devil is putting into society that says, nobody tells me what to do. I will ascend. I will decide who is judge here. I will do that type of thing. You see, the devil is defiant. He's prideful. Jesus is always obedient to the will of the Father and submitted to his will. You see, perfection. God wants us to come to perfection. Jesus said we're to be perfect just like he's perfect. That perfection 
comes as we put the Word in the very center of our lives and as we submit to that Word, as we give ourselves over to whatever the Word says through meditation, through inclining our ear, through paying attention to it, keeping it in our eyes, keeping it in our hearts, and understanding that we submit to God, that we become meek and lowly in heart like the Master. We have perfection like the Master. We're willing to do anything that's necessary to be obedient to the Word, and we will never give in to the pride and arrogance that comes from the God of this world. And if we do, we repent and we repair and we do everything that we can to fix it. See, Jesus was obedient to the Father. He made this statement. He said, not my will, but thy will be done. Perfection, then, is a heart that is holy wholly committed to God, wholly surrendered to Him. We want that. We choose to be perfect like the Master.